Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Calcaterra. And the song that you just heard, it was titled Patience and Regret. And that's from the band Among Criminals, which is one of the bands of our guest today, Ryan Gong. And uh, he's really, really excited to talk with Ryan. He's a, a real passionate guy, you know, really into teaching, teaching kids music and, you know, passing on that energy and just the knowledge and just, you know, just a super cool guy. You know, I had the privilege of meeting Ryan out in Los Angeles uh, this past November of 2016. And he, um, we were at a, a Taxi A&R convention. Taxi is, uh, is an organization that primarily deals with placement in television and film. So went out there uh, with Ben Sturgill, you know, trying to help him out, get some placements for some of his music. And, uh, you know, was really, really fortunate to meet Ryan. And just right away, I, I knew he was someone I wanted to talk to because he was just, he was so great at sharing knowledge and sharing his experiences, whether it be touring, you know, setting up tours with his band, you know, taking care of the business side of his art. And uh, just knew right away that this is somebody that's super cool. And, and then later learned about the, uh, you know, educational um, facilitating that he is doing with kids. Uh, you know, he, um, after the taxi convention, uh, had, a, had a job offer to teach kids in Los Angeles. So he's going to tell you about that in this episode of the podcast. And it's just, just a super cool guy. As I'm recording this, it is Memorial Day weekend. So just wanted to say a little word for those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. I'm a veteran and uh, my heart always goes out to fellow veterans and uh, those that have come before us. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you to our sponsors. As always, Dr. Mark Holland, he's been a great friend, super passionate guy, just like Ryan. When you talk to Ryan, you're you know you feel this elevation of energy it's just like this it's he's really contagious dr mark collins the same way and uh just when you talk to him his energy is just um, always amazing always helpful and uh you know willing to find out you know what he can do to help alleviate back problems and uh, things of that nature so if you have you know unfortunate enough to have a car accident uh he can consult you with that and uh you know, try to figure out what's going on and what has happened and just uh, a solid guy. You can connect with Dr. Holland at mystlouischiropractor.com as well as chiroandrehab.com. Also, you know, check the show description. I'll put the links there. want to welcome John Webster. Uh, John Webster is an artist and he is one of our newest sponsors. His website is John Webster Pen and Ink. 
com and just an amazing artist uh, yeah I've known John for a lot of years and have always been supportive of his, of his work and uh, just I, I look at it and it's like a bunch of chicken scratches that come together to form this incredible artwork so you have to check it out John Webster pen and uh, you know want to thank my good friend Christy Holman for all her support you know she's uh, more of a behind the scenes person but want to you know I want to want to give her a shout out and thank Kevin Kevin Blumenkamp for um, you know his you know his contributions to the show and his sponsorship in the past. Also, would like to welcome American Mallard Paintbrushes. And uh, I don't know how many of you out there are painting your house or your business. Um, you know the paintbrush hasn't changed much, but American Mallard is going to be something new and different and exciting. So uh, this is a company that I'm con- doing some consulting with, trying to help out as well and. Uh, they have decided to come onto the show as uh, as one of the sponsors, so uh, I'm I'm really excited to at some point show you what this brush looks like and uh, you know really really start pushing this out there. But uh, for now, just remember that name, American Mallard. You're going to be really excited to see it. Um, so take my word at this point, and uh, we'll continue on as as we move forward. Uh, speaking of moving forward, Ryan Gong. So here he is. Um, I'm Ken Calcaterra, KenCalcaterra.com. You can find the podcast there. You can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow me on social media. You know, interact. I would love to hear what you think about the show. Uh, Connect with Ryan on social media as well. I put some links on the show description page there. Just just an absolutely cool guy. Great music. And uh, he has a great philosophy and, you know, just a great energy uh, in life. So Ryan, where in the world are you today? Today I am in uh, West Hollywood in uh, Los Angeles, which is a funny and very fun place. Yeah, what's what's fun about it? What's a, what's a story from West Hollywood that you can share that that kind of paints the picture of where you're at right now? You know, the funny thing is, I I actually came out here to work, um, so I don't get to go out and really like experience. Uh, you know, any of the Hollywood nightlife, but I do work at the Roxy. Um, so I get to see, uh, I get to see a decent amount of music and I also get to see how, uh, how the, the, the drunk Hollywood life is, uh, on a nightly basis. So I'll I'll say it's fun. I don't know if I've, uh, had exactly the most fun out here. It's been a bit more professional, but, uh, I do get to see it firsthand. It looks like fun. I'll put it that way. (laughs) And from that regards, you know, one thing I thought about you is, is you're an absolute maniac, and I mean that in a good way, because <laughs> it's you. everything I see on Facebook and our interactions. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're working all the time. So either you're at the Roxy or you're teaching kids or you're driving back to Philly. What? Um, yeah. I mean, it's just describe your life in you know a few brief sentences. I don't know if you can. That um, it's a tall order. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. Uh... 
it, it's pretty. I mean, I, I feel like I've always, I've always been the, uh, that that kind of worker, I guess. Um, but w- when I had moved out here, uh, what what brought me out here first was running a music program at a summer camp last summer, um, and that was only because you know the pay for for music and arts in in Pennsylvania was so bad. Um, so I moved out here, but I mean the cost of living is just crazy. Um, so then. Uh, it was really actually where where we had met the taxi rally that uh, that brought me back out here, and then I just ended up staying. Um, and to to survive, I had to work, you know, two different jobs. Um, and then, you know, I was really here to teach, so I just took every single teaching position I possibly could, um, as impossible as the schedule was, uh, basically to to, you know, build. Uh, build that kind of leverage at least. And, um, and man, teaching is just something I absolutely love. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, four, four days a week, I, I, I was getting up. I, I actually, this just ended yesterday. Um, four days a week, I would get up at, uh, around six to six thirty, Um, and then I'd go teach whether it was one or two or three schools. Um, and then maybe have a, a half an hour break before I went to the Roxy and worked there till about, 1230 or one in the morning. Uh, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I would do private lessons and Skype lessons and then work at the Roxy, you know, 6 PM to, to midnight. Yeah, man, that's a tough schedule. But, uh, you know, one thing when I first met you at the taxi rally and, and once I had a chance to talk to you and see you interacting with different people and mentoring and teaching and all that, it's just automatically, you know, thought in my head is, yeah, this guy is a rock star and, and not so much. I mean, <laughs> musically, yes, but but just your passion for teaching and life. And, you know, that's just one of those things. You'd be a rock. Somebody could be a rock star painter or, you know, a rock star golfer. Sure. And, I like that, man. Yeah. And, you know, even though you are a musician, it was like that teaching element and just your your that energy you put out. It was, yeah, rock star. You know, that was that was the stamp that I immediately had, had placed upon you. I love that. Thank you. And thank you so much for that, Ken. I really do appreciate that, buddy. And and in that regards, and just looking at you teaching kids, I saw a video on Facebook the other day, you were teaching first graders, and it was just like this, the enthusiasm and passion and energy you had. Uh, you know, why is it important to teach kids music? Uh, uh, man, I, you know, this is, this is so funny. I feel like it's a, uh, it's, it's like a rabbit hole that I keep falling deeper and deeper into as far as why I do what I do. I think, you know, um, it started out, I mean, for me, you know, what, what, what really makes the most sense to me is I know, and this is, this is when my teaching had taken, um, you know, from going from a paycheck to a passion was um, when I was teaching kids that had quote unquote learning disabilities and uh, when the parents would start telling me that they were doing better in school, the reason being when if I could teach them how to play the guitar or, or you know, in a music class, they can, they can use that, that mindset of, oh, I learned that from a teacher. I can now learn, you know, in a classroom and I don't need to basically listen to the bullshit of teachers saying you have a problem learning. Now, that was something that I had gone through. I had a horrible um, time in school, like from sixth grade on. And, um, and I really think music was what made me not feel stupid, you know. Um, 
And that is something that I take so, so seriously, you know, especially, you know, now kind of being in my thirties, um, being able to go through that. Uh, the other thing too, is when you're a music teacher, um, and this is not to discredit, let's just say, you know, a phys ed teacher, but when you're that music teacher, the amount of admiration that you get is so, is so big, you know, you have to walk on eggshells almost because anything that you say can build up or break down any one of those kids. And uh, if you don't have a passion for it, you know, you, you can potentially do some damage. And I don't think that, that music teachers or even that, that even goes to private guitar lessons. I don't think that teachers understand that. Um, and, you know, one thing that really gets me mad is, uh, is when teachers just kind of look at their students as paychecks, which at one point in my life I did do. And um, I'm very happy that I've, I've, I've kind of stopped, stopped doing that. And, um, to, you know, just taking it more seriously and, and understanding the impact that I have. And that's, you know, overall part of the learning experience for ourselves as we go through life. Uh, I put, I had my nephew, he was in drum lessons. He's taking a little break now because he's playing baseball and has some other things going. But I just think the foundation of those music lessons and learning, you know, just various steps. And that's one thing I'm, I'm helping with his, his baseball team. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but I'm learning and then looking at those steps and just encouraging uh, the kids and like different different operations and knowing that you know it's okay to make mistakes and that's uh, I think sure. that's the biggest lesson that yeah we're all gonna make mistakes learn from those mistakes you know feel whatever you're gonna feel from it but then move on to the next task and I think in anything in life whether you're an engineer or a, a drummer or a guitarist or you know a baseball player or whatnot just you know, I hope that that little life lesson is one that they'll carry with them, whether they're a good baseball player or not. Sure. Yeah. I like that, man. I really like that. You know, I mean, especially when you're a kid, like if I mean, you know, like let, let's be honest, if I, you know, if I joined the soccer team, you know, and there was a captain of the soccer team and he said that I, I was good or I sucked, I wouldn't affect, wouldn't affect me in, in, in any way. But, you can see, you know, if, if, you know, when I'm walking through the lunch period and the kid comes up and, and, uh, you know, I know his name and, you know, kind of give him a pat on the back, you know, he takes that with him, you know, and that, that ends up being, you know, every interaction that you have with a kid in, and like you're, like you're saying as a coach too, on a sports team, all of those interactions, you know, they go, they go in kind of a pile of previous interactions of, of that kid's life and where the biggest pile is, you know, is, is, uh, it kind of determines the, the rest of that, that kid's life. So if he's, you know, constantly, you know, getting ignored, you know, that's, that's something that I try to do in every classroom is I try to pick out, you know, the kid that kind of gets ignored or might not be like the cool kid and with music and especially like, you know, if we're doing like, you know, punk rock Humpty Dumpty or whatever and everyone's like you know really getting into it I can like I can make that kid become the coolest kid in the class at least for those 10 minutes so those interactions are very very important you know every little interaction for sure 
And typically when we, we realize when we grow up, that quiet kid eventually becomes one of the most interesting kids that, uh, you know, when we're in our older years that we want to talk to and usually has, you know, the most interesting conversations. Or they're they're sure. creating the next computer app or are doing things that uh, that who would have expected it at that point in life. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a cool point. And, and I'm I'm not one to you know I'll tell the kids if there's a play that, that's not good I'll say yeah that wasn't that great but we're gonna work on it we're you know we're gonna keep working and here's what you you do to improve it or yeah you know getting yeah. better or oh that was great so I'm you know I don't want them I don't want everything I say if it's if it's you know a bad play or bad fundamentals to say you're you know that's great that's great I may say you're doing great and then but the the, right specific exercise you know okay that needs improvement but your effort or your hustle and so I'm giving them something with that so it's 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 a cool exercise for myself as well and you know time to spend with my nephew and and these kids that he's working with that's great and hopefully they'll carry on with that so and when did you when did you start teaching kids and at one point did you did you realize that was something that you were passionate about i uh i mean i've always been teaching kids and when i was working at a place called the rock factory which is which is actually still going it's in it's in newtown um in newtown pennsylvania, pennsylvania outside okay. of philadelphia yeah and um I noticed that I was getting the the delinquent kids, basically the kids that some of the other teachers couldn't handle. Um, and I, I kind of developed a, a knack for it. And then uh, a few parents had approached me about teaching, um, you know, their kids, whether they were on the spectrum or just like learning, learning disabled. And I was like, re- I was just really doing well relating to every single kid, you know, nice. and, you know, um, and that that was like the most important part of it. Now the only the only shame was I was definitely going through the motions at one point. Um, you know, kind of it had a little bit of like a, a life. I don't want to say that crisis. It wasn't it wasn't all that big. But I wasn't you know the the, the happiest person, and uh, and I was still able to maintain the, my my only problem is when I look back at those months or that that year is um, is not giving the hundred percent that I, that I do have now. I mean, now it's just, it's, it's awesome how it just doubles down on itself every single day. You know, you, you go into class knowing that you're going to kick ass, knowing that these kids are going to love you. And then the next day you go in with even more, you know, and then that makes you try even harder, you know, and even more. And, uh, and that, it that passion. I mean, it just, it just builds like, you know, now I'm, already you know before our conversation is i'm looking for the next summer camp to teach back in philadelphia you know because i don't want to take the summer off of teaching so it just it just developed basically that's you know, cool it, man. it came from yeah i was like oh i'll just do this <laughs> okay i'll put i'll put it this way oh I'll, I'll just do this because you know this is what guitar players do they give guitar lessons during the day and then it just turned into oh i'm good at this oh i do care and then that uh, that I'm good at it, I care, just builds and builds and kind of ping-pongs back and forth um, and just builds up into, into something pretty awesome. Yeah, it's interesting the things that we fall into in life and just like the baseball coaching. I just took my nephew to practice. I'm standing there, and the coach is like, could you go do this? Okay, and then, you know, the next thing I know, now, now even when the times my nephew's not at a game, it's just like I feel 
compelled to help help the other kids so i'm at the game and yeah you know trying trying to help them out so, so yeah it's really cool it's really cool so yeah so yeah. you'll be you'll be spending your uh your summer in philly in uh pennsylvania yeah okay yeah so that was part of my absolutely wild schedule for let's see it was pro- i started just when i got back from a tour in europe um i came back to los angeles and uh, every other weekend i was flying home so that was that was a wild schedule because that was you know Monday it was probably about 42 hours from Monday to Thursday and then I would either work all weekend at the Roxy and teach here or every other weekend I would fly home I take a red eye um, Thursday night get in Friday morning um, and then I would teach all day Friday maybe play a gig or two you know I tried tried to book gigs as, as much as I could but uh, just would teach all all weekend and then fly back home for school on Monday. Um, and that kept my student base not just with me, but growing also in nice. Philadelphia. So now when I go back home, you know, I'm almost like I, you know, I took a weekend to get my car out here to LA from Philadelphia. You know, I flew, I flew home. I had two days off of work. So I flew home, grabbed my car and drove it back out to Los Angeles. Cause I, I needed it for the commute. And, um, uh, and as I'm driving, I was like, man, I'm going to really take my time getting home. So I leave in two days to go back to Philly. But uh, I'm just so stoked to get back to, to teaching back there. Like, I don't know if I can stop anywhere. I think I might just, you know, just beeline it back home. So it was, it was cool. It kept, kept everything going. As soon as I get home, I'll be able to start teaching again, which I'm very excited about. That's cool, man. And I, I know on one of your trips, you uh, you had created an EP, the Motel Sessions, uh, and that was what, yes. a couple months ago. Or was that it would have been uh, at the end of August. That end was of... the end of last August. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, see, I I can't keep track of time anymore. Everything is just it's just, just yeah, all. Me neither. It's, it's like two years ago. It seems like yesterday. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, you get a little older, and, and you keep busy. It's uh, that's that's what happens. And and then what was yeah. so behind that? You were just stopping in different places and writing what inspired you. Yeah, um, and I'm going to do I'm going to do one for the way back home. Uh, also, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited. I have an entire I have eight an eight song uh, record or whatever um, that I'm going to start doing with a with a buddy of mine, Josh. Actually, as soon as I get back to Philadelphia, that is all the songs that I wrote while I was in LA. Um, which so that that's going to be that's going to be pretty exciting for me to kind of wrap up the trip there, um, the last couple months. And then, uh, yeah, I'll do another motel sessions um, for the ride back home. So basically, I it, it was uh, it was a writing assignment. I had to turn in a few songs that could have been used um, in a. I think it was a TV show. I think it was A and E. But they needed you know lo-fi, just guitar and vocals, which is great because I'm not an engineer, so I can just <laughs> record that in the garage band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a sound engineer. I'm not. Oh my goodness. I'm. I'm off, well, you're off so many other things. So, so it's like how. I mean, it's that's all right. Let somebody else take I, care of that. Yeah, I made a deliberate choice. Like when all my friends were getting into engineering, I was like, I'm not gonna get into a few. Actually, uh, a buddy of mine, Trevor, and uh, and another buddy, Jared, almost. They basically guided me not to get into it. They were like, it's, you know, it's a rabbit hole that you can't get yourself out of. You might as well just focus on writing instead. Um, but those songs, at least all they wanted were, you know, one acoustic guitar and one vocal. So I wasn't going to be able to get home in time to write and record those in tournament. So I had to do them on the trip. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that trip was pretty wild. I, uh, I took Adderall to stay up. And uh, my body... 
the 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 harshest drug that goes into my body really is just is like is tequila, which is pretty harsh of a drug, I suppose. <laughs> but especially the amount that I consume. But uh, I don't I don't take anything else, you know. So a buddy of mine gave me Adderall. I took a third of it, and I was up for like four freaking days. <laughs> like I couldn't. I mean, well, okay, not four days, but I was definitely awake for a very long time. So, and honestly, like it just for whatever reason in that state of mind, I just started writing and it was going so like I was stopping on the side of the highway. Um, and, and it was going so well that I actually, yeah, I had documented it with my iPad and then put a couple videos together. And then, yeah, re- I released, uh, I think it was four, those four songs that, uh, that I had done, you know, two of them were in Jacksonville, Arkansas, uh, one was in New, Me- New Mexico, and then uh, the last one was in Nashville. I went to go meet a buddy of mine in Nashville on the ride home. Um, so that was exciting. That was a very – when I listen to that those songs, it brings me right back to that emotional place. You know, I had just come from an amazing summer. I was heading back home. Life was kind of opening up a little bit more. I was on Adderall. <laughs> and it was just like – it was a, a, a very – a lot of emotion packed into, you know, a four day trip. So, uh, so writing is very conducive there and, uh, and I'm gearing up for the next one, which I cannot wait. I can't wait to see, you know, what, uh, what happens, but that, that motel sessions, um, was actually, uh, when I was pulling off the highway, there was a car accident. Um, and I didn't see anything. I didn't, you know, it was something that I wouldn't have normally thought much of, um, but then, you know, kind of being up for 24, 48 hours, uh, driving, you know, by yourself, those wheels in my, in my head just kind of started turning. So that, that whole record is actually a concept. Um, it's a concept record of, uh, a made up story about that car accident. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. That was how, that was how I pieced it together. Yeah. Very nice. And they can get, uh, the listeners can pick that up at, at Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah, I do have it on Bandcamp. I don't, I, I haven't yet really uploaded it to iTunes. It was just, it was kind of like a throw together thing, you know. Um, once I get, uh, once I get the next motel sessions, and I have a couple songs actually from uh, from my Iceland trip, and uh, and then two from uh, actually about uh, a girl that I had met in Amsterdam. So I'm gonna put all those together, I think, and and do like a like a, you know, two motel sessions and then uh, a few extra tunes and put that on iTunes. So uh, for now, just those four songs are on Bandcamp. Yeah, and that's cool. So anybody can go to Bandcamp and uh, you just under your name and find that? Yeah, I think it's amongcriminals.bandcamp.com or it might be ryangon.bandcamp.com. Okay, and I'll put, I'll put a link to that because I picked that up when you first put it out. And yeah, it's, it's cool oh, to great. hear and yeah, try give you some gas money. So I just yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> also picked up the, uh, you know, today. Uh, I've been listening to it a little bit, but just finally pulled the trigger and purchased the uh, latest uh, Among Criminals uh, thank album. Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much for you're that. you're welcome, man. Happy to help. Now, now, did you, so this past tour, uh, we're talking about Amsterdam and Iceland and in Europe, w- that was an Among Criminals tour? Yeah, when I when I go to Europe, and uh, I, I, this last year, I really, I really, saved up to go there as many times as I could um, selfishly because it's just absolutely an unbelievable place to play music in too. Uh, but when I go there, I go as uh, Ryan gone of among criminals. 
So I don't have a lot of uh, I don't play a lot of material that's that's outside of uh, of Among Criminals. So basically, like an Among Criminals acoustic tour when I when okay. I head over there. Right on, right on. And then you find that uh, I mean, it's it seems Europeans are really passionate about music. How how does a European fan differ than uh, than an American fan? Uh, the it, it's you know it's a, there are pros and cons. Um, you can go you know, play a venue, you know, one, one of my favorite um, venues, the Nueve Anita um, in, uh, in uh, what part? I can't remember what part of Amsterdam it was, but th- there's no microphones or anything, no, no PA system. And you just sit there uh, and you play, and it's, it's absolutely amazing how quiet everybody is. And they'll listen to not just every word and every note, but also everything that you have to say after the song, you know, if you're going to talk about what the, what the song is about. Um, so it, 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 they're very passionate. It doesn't extend a whole lot after that, which in the United States, people kind of ignore you until you kind of break in, break that barrier for them, and then they just absolutely love you. You know, so that's kind of the, 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 the pros and cons of uh, of what I see in Europe versus what I see in the U.S. Yeah, and one thing I've noticed, so in, in St. Louis, and and on your trip back, you know, you have a place to stay if, if you need it, if you, you oh, come thank up you. this oh, way. So, oh, great. You know, throw that out there. But in St. Louis, I find there's a lot, of, I mean, people are more into cover bands, and, and now I notice there's like a ton of tribute bands. And, uh, yeah. and maybe they're, you, you know, I, I, I prefer original music myself. Uh, you know, I'm not against seeing a tribute band, but I mean, my, my schedule's so busy that I probably wouldn't plan on, on going to see one, but, uh, sure. I, in, in Philly, I mean, how is it? I mean, in LA you have a, a ton of original bands, but, uh, how is it, how is the music scene in Philly? Are they more receptive to original music? I mean, it seems like Europeans are. Yeah. And I would say, I would say Philadelphia is and. in, in it, it, you know, it's one of those it's one of those situations where that's the music scene that I know the best. I do not know anything about the Los Angeles music scene. Um, I've played like two coffee houses out here uh, for fun. You know, yeah, nice. I just I haven't even I just haven't even tried. You know, we'll we'll play. You know, uh, we'll play in South Central LA when we pass through. You know, with a with a ska band, but uh, like the whole Hollywood music scene just sounds like a nightmare from the the friends that I have that are involved in it. But um, so Philly is what I really know. And I have to say, you know, I feel like it's a very receptive, original music city. And I know people directly involved in making sure that that stays, you know, um, all of the, you know, some, some online, uh, you know, blogs or w- whatever it is, just, there's there's a lot of involvement in making sure that Philly stays um, as an original music city, and uh, and especially in the neighborhood that I'm in in Fishtown, you can you can really see that. Um, and and when all of those venues were shutting down, you know CBGBs and um, you know the Roxy, I guess almost had shut down at one point out here in LA. Uh, Philly held strong you know a couple venues had shut down but they held strong and now we have more venues than we know what to do with you know and they're packed every single night it's great that's amazing fantastic so yeah so you get a good good uh music scene going there one thing just going back to your to your tour and when i had met you in la 
that's one thing you you had people that you had met or that you were mentoring that you wanted uh, to hold you accountable for for going out on this european tour talk a little bit about that but- yeah that yeah that's something because <laughs> i uh because i did I, I i stood in front of the class i remember and and, and it, it all it actually let me I'll, I'll bring it back just like just a tiny bit the the start of that conference um was uh, this guy Michael did a one-on-one session with me? It was maybe nine thirty in the morning the first day. And that's that's that was, Michael, that the, the head of Taxi. No, no, no. This, oh, was, this was just Michael. Um, yeah, a different, different oh, okay, guy. different Michael. Okay. Um, yeah, he had sat down with me and um, he he said that you know I'll start booking a tour, blah blah blah, and then you know when it start when it starts like going a little south or whatever, he's like I I back out. And uh, right, so right off the bat, it started to get a little bit more on a, on a philosophical side than just the music uh, business side. And I said, with anything, if you have a plan B in, in the back of your head, that is actually your, your plan A. And not a lot of people think that. Not a lot of people believe that. But that's, hmm. you know, just like every concept. musician who sets, yeah, every musician who sets their life up or any dreamer, I'm sorry, who sets their life up to have a plan B, like how many people do you know went to that plan B? You know, um, you you literally have to have no other exit. You have to go with plan A and you cannot back out. And uh, and that's how, that was a lot about what we were talking about in, in, in the classroom that, that I was teaching. And I stood up there and I said, you know, because after, you know, after the conference and I had to cut a Europe tour short, spend a lot of money to fly back to L.A., you know, change my flight and all that. I, I told the whole class, I was like, I do not have the money to get to Europe for my next tour. But I want you guys to hold me accountable so that I don't back out of it. Because if I do that, why the hell would you listen to anything that I have to say? And uh, <laughs> and it got it got to that point. It was right around my brother's wedding. So I, I left for that tour just after Christmas. I think it was the 27th I had left. And uh, my brother's wedding, he got married on the 10th, December 10th. And uh, I paid for the tux. And uh, that was like the, the end of it. That was the end of the line. No more money left. There was, there was no way that I could get there. And, uh, and the guy that I was on tour with, actually, his name is Guy Palumbo, great, great guitar player and singer, um, called me. And he was just like, dude, what the hell? We're like three weeks away. You're you're not coming now. He's like this. This is not what you do. And uh, and he was right. I sold some shit, bought the flight, and went out there. And thank God I did because it was an amazing three week tour. But uh, putting holding yourself accountable to other people who are looking up in a way at your actions is very very good. And that builds up the muscle to make sure that you do it yourself. You know, you have to hold yourself accountable. Um, everyone wants to back out of everything all the time. It's like, it's the best feeling. You know, if you have like plans on a Friday night and you call your buddy, you're like, dude, uh, I'm sick. I can't make it. And as soon as you hang up that phone, it's just like, yes, I have nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to do that. So yep. Holding yourself accountable, um, to other people is the best muscle to start holding yourself accountable. Yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because, yeah, it might have had a little relief had you not done that, but then look at the life experience that, that you know, you've sure. gained and the stories that you have. Um, any particular stories that stood out on that tour? 
That one was pretty tame. I mean, I that was, uh, you know, the first few times that I had gone out there, I would play, you know, two shows and then have a night off in the city. Um, and I would, you know, I would just go out, experience the city, like, you know, drink a bunch and just and, and kind of party. This one was a little bit more um, work oriented, which was uh, which was kind of nice. Um, so it, no, no crazy wild stories. I do really enjoy uh, when I go from Amsterdam and uh, through Germany to Prague, we stop in a place called Furt and uh, that's where Guy lives. And, um, you know, we just kind of set up in his house, um, his little daughter you know, we, we, we get along really well. She's like the like fantastic little girl. And, you know, we just hung out there, got a few beers, built her bed and hung out for two days, you know, that's nice, uh, nice and relaxing. So yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice. Um, yeah, that, that tour specifically was a little bit more, uh, head on straight work oriented. Of course, of course I did go out in Prague and black out and not know how I got back to the hostel. That has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that you yeah. said that hasn't happened before. It has happened before. No, that, that has to happen. At least oh, gotcha. Time. Yeah, one, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. So, so now getting back to business, when, uh, when and why did you begin booking your own tours? Because that's one, one big thing I, I think you talked about at Taxi, and that was some, uh, some education that you were giving to different members there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had, we had a few run-ins with, uh, with people booking tours for us. And I mean, it was just an absolute catastrophe, you know, um, nobody at that level. I mean, unless you're, uh, you're making a thousand dollars show and they're getting their 15 or 20%, you know, uh, there's nothing that you can give somebody to make them actually give a shit about booking your tour. Um, you're the one who's going to, going to care the most. And uh, you're the one that's going to stay up all night booking it. I mean, that was one thing that I was telling the class. I love that. I love getting home at one in the morning and making a pot of coffee and just go, like schedule out going for it, you know? Um, and uh, when you do it yourself and you start getting better at it, you realize that you are your best booking agent until you get to that place where, you know, you are making enough money where an agency is going to want to take you on. Um, and it's all, it's very creative. Communication is very creative nowadays. Um, I booked shows in Amsterdam through Instagram, Instagram messenger. Um, the problem is the, the way that communication is going is it's moving so rapidly that if you didn't start booking your, your own tours, you know, we were doing it with atlases. I mean, and maps, you know, atlases and phones. Now we have the, it, it was just before MySpace. Um, so now going from that to, to where it is, I went with that entire curve, that wave, you know, mm -hmm. um, if you're missing that people are still, I mean, it, people are still packing manila envelopes and sending it to venues. Like, I don't, I don't even think that that goes anywhere. You know, I don't think that the booking agency, the booking agent at the Roxy has any idea when you know golden voice is the company when when a package goes to the booking agency to book a show at the roxy i don't think that she knows where that is i don't think she knows where to pick that up because it's all through email and now it's just getting super super casual um you know booking shows i mean people have been on 
the Ellen show because they got a hold of her through, you know, Twitter, or Instagram, you know, it's all just being very creative and getting people's attention and then delivering once you get their attention. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think with, with that using those tools, but at some point it gets to be where that's the norm that sometimes sending a package or something, some type of marketing material that stands out that maybe isn't just sheets of paper or something like that. But something that really catches somebody's eye, I think, since everything oh, yeah. is so digital, that uh, that those kind of things work. Like like a simple handwritten thank you card, I, I think, is, is not yeah. done on a regular basis anymore. So that is something that's old school that I feel that stands out because people will send an email and all that, and that's commonplace. So to, to add that extra little touch, it shows you care enough that, you know, you, you are grabbing a stamp and putting it on there and taking the time to write it. And it's just, you know, more personal type thing. So yeah, I, I think oh, absolutely. It's, as things shift, those things are good, but yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from where it's just like, okay, well, yeah, you know, this isn't, you know, having that spelled out in paper is not such that works as, as much as like having it all mapped out on like a Google maps or something like that, where they can look at it digitally and you can change it very easily. Now, when I, when I see the actual email that somebody is sending to a booking agent um, or a talent buyer at a venue, nobody has time for a cover letter and a resume and an EPK and an electronic press kit. You know, it's now just a SoundCloud link and a very quick description. Very, very quick. And it was funny. Our class had gotten, like, a little bit, you know, more casual. And I was saying, eventually, we're going to be sending emojis to booking agents as, you know, as a way, as a means of communication, you're going to send a poop emoji. The poop emoji thing just like was like something that we were harping on basically, you know, kind of became like the staple of the class. And it's funny that you mentioned that when it gets there, it will turn and it will turn violently, just like you're saying back to press kits, you know, um, and showing people that you care. So that's kind of how the communication works. It, it, it it gets so diluted and casual that it needs to spring back somehow, you know, and always making sure that you're on that edge of where the communication is going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was just something with myself with video work and, you know, with this podcast, I have to, you know, I've always had to take things by the reins and be that business person as well because I didn't have anybody to do it. And as you had stated, you know, who's going to care more than me? Uh, and it's right. and if you can't pay somebody, I mean, if you can, if you can, and even if you're paying somebody, it's just one of those things that that they might not put that effort into it, it that effort into it. With, with sure. me, it's just like it's my reputation. So if I say I'm going to do something for someone, then I'm going to do it. But also, you know, as yep. we talked about with students earlier, and that energy, you know, energy is a circle. So if they're putting a lot of energy into it, then you're picking up and then you're a better teacher and, and they're picking up on your great energy. So then they're, they're jazzed and they're working on whatever their scales or particular chords or notes or however it is you have it set up. And then they're, you know, and so this circle, and then that's how we, we stay at a high level. And I just find if, you know, I'm working with someone or consulting or, or whatever that may be. If they, they don't have a lot of energy or they're not putting some energy into it, there's only so much I can do before I kind of fizzle out, um, you know, sure. vice versa. But but you're also, you also consult with artists as far as like setting up a tour or things like that? Yeah. Um, and I do have a few from the, the taxi rally that I, that I still work with. Um, 
which is which is great. I mean, these guys are they're they're really great. Um, setting you know setting up a tour, mapping it out, kind of seeing you know how they're delivering themselves to the talent buyers, um, what venues they're going for. That's all what we cover, and then we get into you know just you know Facebook um, Facebook video ads, you know boost posts, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, just I mean that's what I'm doing all day. You know, all day, every day for myself. You know, if somebody wants to, uh, you know, somebody needs a, a little bit of a hand um, getting breaking into that because it takes a while to get the hang of it. Um, then yeah, kind of do a little bit of consulting as well. Right on, yeah, because it's just for first time out or not knowing the venue or how to present yourself or with an email or you know with with that Facebook. Yeah, it's it's good to know if you haven't done it. Uh, yeah, it's nice too if you can pay somebody a little cash to. Uh, you know, help you eliminate some of those mistakes. I mean, I think we're all going to make mistakes and we, we need those to learn, but yeah, if we can kind of trim that learning curve a little bit, that's always nice. Um, sure. You know, as far as what, what tips do you have for, you know, a budding artist to, to build their career? I mean, right now, I, it, I mean, my main tip, I mean, this is, and this goes back to, this goes back to teaching, this goes back to everything, but like, my main thing is you have to you have to actually give a shit and a lot of people don't and a lot of artists don't and i was getting a little bit it, it, the 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 class that i was teaching I, I i was getting a little bit heated about that because i was an artist you know and this goes if you're just starting even if you're just coming out right now if you want somebody to passionately uh feel your music and you don't want to have that communication be a two-way street, you know, um, you don't really deserve that fan. Um, so right now, what I would say to somebody starting out is if you want to build a fan base, build it by caring about that fan base. Um, you can, I mean, it's easy, you know, if you sound like, you know, Taylor Swift, go to Taylor Swift's um, Instagram and start messaging people like, Oh, I, you know, I saw you post that. I really like that song and get a, a line of communication going. What artists do now is they, they just bombard and they use spam bots and, uh, you know, kind of like buying, um, buying Instagram their and Twitter follow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, and you can, I mean, and it's, it's so it's, obvious. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. that when somebody does that. Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not. I mean, when you have, you know, 25,000, you know, Instagram followers and you post a picture and it gets like four likes. I, that right there just shows you, you know, that you're not interacting appropriately or you bought those fans. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, that, that interaction. And then that's one thing that you, one, a person is better to have a, a thousand fans or a thousand that interact. And, and I don't know what the proper percentage is, but I mean, if you're getting 10%, that's huge. So maybe if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's like two to 4%, that's, that's pretty good. And if you get that kind of Definitely. interaction with that thousand fans, you're better off than having, you know, a hundred thousand fans and in, in that interaction. So it's, uh, there are, you know, little interaction or, you know, a couple likes, but yeah, it's, it's all, you know, we look at also, you know, how addictive that is and how, how these things are set up. So we want to look and see how many likes we have. And it just gives it, you know, gets, gets the juices flowing. Like I got to see how many likes. It's that, likes. oh man. It, yeah. The yeah. addiction to that, that validation, you know, I mean, there's, uh, there's people that, uh, 
you know, they'll post an Instagram picture and they'll take it down in 10 minutes if it didn't get enough likes. You know, I know. Oh, that's uh, crazy. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's wild. But, uh, you know, really just, just through all of that, you can build a solid fan base now way better than you could maybe 10 years ago. There, there's, there's pros and cons to both of them. Um, I mean, you had to... I mean, you had to literally go out and play 10 years ago to get those fans. There wasn't really a way for them to find you. Now there's a way for them to find you. And some of the best advice is people are doing it in such a, like a BS way and not caring and just spamming everybody and hoping that something sticks. If you take your time with every person that you interact with, you'll build up that fan base way quicker than that person that's just kind of like, you know, throwing throwing spaghetti against the wall, hoping something sticks, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and, you know, it's like, I mean, the other thing too is if I sit down at a bar and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, and a No Doubt song comes on the radio and the person next to me is just like, oh, I love this song. And we start talking about No Doubt and how we listen to, you know, uh, their first album before Tragic Kingdom came out. Right there, we, I love that. We have an awesome connection and yes. interaction right there for some reason when it comes to over the internet people kind of get this chip on their shoulder like like they don't have time or they don't care you know and and that to me is wild i mean if somebody reaches out to me you know on any of the platforms and says uh, not even i like your music like i've worn uh, you know an rx bandits t-shirt and somebody said i have that shirt that was from their tour 11 years ago you know, I love that. I, now we have a connection and we're like talking on an awesome human level through what seems so unhuman. And, uh, and if you could, if you could do that, if you like people, which I really hope as an artist, you do, um, you know, just, just start building on that. It's, it, and, and it makes you feel awesome. You know, I mean, there's nothing better than interacting with, uh, with all the people around you. So yeah, that's I, how you build it. Definitely, and that's kind of where I'm looking at with this with this podcast. I mean, it's slowly building, but it's it's nice. You put out an episode, and then you see how that carries over to other ones. But for the most part, the, the people that I've talked to are people that I've developed a connection with, and somebody that and, yep. and, and it's so it's kind of easy to put it together because then I'm I'm you know just I I know a little bit what the story is and I know the elements that that I want to talk about and you know just some some we've already established that connection and whether it be a, a spiritual connection or a connection to the art which a lot of times becomes a spiritual connection it's just sure. it, it's very easy I think it flows a lot better and the energy's there uh, gr- granted at some point you know I want to aspire to get some more known names because then that helps build it. But uh, there's, I think there's, sure. for me, there always has to be that uh, some connection, whether it be to the art or to the philosophy or something along those lines. So, I mean, then that's what, yeah. that's what just drives me. Then it's not work and it's easy to put this together. And I push off sometimes too much paid work to, to do this, but uh, in the long run, I think it'll be good. But uh, yeah, there it is in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. Yeah. I've got plenty of years left, yep. uh, but you don't want to make the most of them because sometimes you do not know, but looking at, so yeah. an artist that's building themselves up, you know, at, at what point would you say, or what advice as far as when somebody is ready for management? Um, I mean, it, 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 management is so, so interesting because 
really what's supposed to happen is once you can't manage the work, you hand it over to a manager. Um, but in, in a DIY sense, you know, a manager kind of becomes an all-encompassing, like, you know, booking agent, um, you know, even like social media strategist, however you want to look at it. But if you don't have much to offer that person, um, it could be hard to find someone that's going to work that hard for you. Um, but a lot of a lot of success stories, like let's take the band Soja, um, they found this guy, Elliot, and uh, I mean, this guy, he had no management experience previously. I think they were, I think they were friends. I think he was friends with the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and he learned uh, with that band, you know, and now they're, they're huge, you know, internationally touring. They're, you know, signed to, uh, to what is it? Uh, oh my goodness. Red Light Management, which is Dave Matthews' management company and record label. Um, you know, and that guy is, is kind of an idol to, to manager. So if, if you could find someone like that, that's great. Don't, don't, uh, I'll put, I'll, I'll like really harp on this. Don't try to find management because you're too lazy to do it yourself. And I speak that from a, a you know, 21 year old me who was doing exactly that. You know, I didn't want to do it myself. I wanted somebody else to do it for me. Um, that is not the, the appropriate time or way to find management. Um, just, you know, just like we're saying, it's a slow build. Um, when you have that slow build, those fans stay with you. Um, they stay loyal. Just keep growing that until you have something to offer somebody else to step in and, uh, and help, help your career grow even, even faster, you know, um, but just jumping off the cuff and trying to find management is what most people do. And, uh, and so did I. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how many companies anymore are developing artists. It's almost everything that I've read or heard or listened to on podcasts. It seems like a lot of management companies, they want everything to, you know, the package to be there. So they start making money right away. It may not be a lot of money, yeah. but you know, they need to get something to cover, cover their expenses. So yeah, I think it's changed a little bit where, the world of development is maybe not as not as common unless you I don't know I don't know what kind of act it would be that that pops up that somebody says all right this is I see something in this person that I want to you know invest that time into um so yeah sure. not as common but when did you you know when was your first foray into music when did you uh you know start playing or realize that uh that this was something for you I mean that was I was probably 11 you know, 10 or 11. And I just knew that, that, that was what I wanted to do. But it was, uh, and I'm not the only one that says this, this is actually pretty popular. I think John Mayer said this too. It was, uh, the guitar solo and back to the future. That guitar solo completely changed my life. And, uh, there are millions of people that say that. Okay. Which, um, oh yeah. Yeah. The, that. Did Johnny be good? Oh yeah. So after he played yeah. Johnny be good, he just start like he had the yeah. Eddie Van Halen kind of, uh, homage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, okay, right on. you know, I saw that, I saw that and, uh, you know, I just started getting the music at that time. You know, we were living, uh, we were living in Boston. My dad had this old rusty drum set in the basement and I was playing the drums a lot and they, they went out and they, uh, they got me a guitar for my birthday. And, uh, I mean, it just, it just kind of went from there, you know, really experiencing music so intensely 
uh, throughout being a teenager, you know, and, uh, and really knowing that, you know, no matter what I was going to do it, you know, so, so even like, you know, as a 33 year old and, you know, my, my crowds aren't as big as I want them to be. And, you know, I'm not exactly going to be on a poster, you know, with Jimi Hendrix and Kurt Cobain, you know, in 50 years when, when, when I'm passed, but, uh, you know, I can look back at the, at the 12 and 13 year old me and, and, and kind of like make that kid proud because I knew I was going to do it and I knew I wasn't going to back down. And, uh, and I didn't, and, and, and it's possible, you know, it's possible nowadays. It's, it's, it's a struggle, but you know, it's, it's, it's totally possible. Definitely. And, and I, I listened to, uh, Mark Marin's podcast the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, uh, no. Yeah, quite quite interesting. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good one to check out at some point uh, after after people after listeners you know listen to this first, but um, but he was yeah. he was talking to Chris Cornell and one thing that Chris Cornell had stated this was a 2014 interview is that he knew that he you know he was so passionate about music that he was fine with being a dishwasher or being a janitor or something along those lines because then that allowed him to spend the time to focus on his music. Um, sure. So that was kind of like his, uh, I don't know if his, it was his plan B or it was just like, Hey, I'm, I'm fine doing these menial jobs because then that'll, that, you know, that's not going to suck up too much of my energy and it'll allow me to focus on, you know, the music I want to create. And, you know, he had a, had a pretty good career and, yeah. uh, you know, sad, I mean, it, sad passing. Cool. That very man, I can't, I, I cannot believe it. I got, I got woken up because everybody, all my Philadelphia friends had already known. So I got woken up, and when I got up for uh, for school in LA that day, um, they I had already had those text messages in my phone. Um, that was wild. But um, but yeah, I mean, also like if you're looking at uh, at you know how you want to live or whatever in five years, you know, it, I mean, if I told anybody like, hey, you have to wash dishes or be a janitor for five to seven years and at the end of that you know you'll have you know a a really nice house and a nice car and 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 all that everyone would do that you know um everyone would just work those crappy jobs that they don't like knowing that they're going to live a life that they want to later that's the mentality that you have to have being an artist now um, if you don't, that means that you actually don't believe that you can make it. You know, if you need a plan B, that means for whatever reason, you don't think that you can do it. And nowadays, if you don't, it's a hundred percent your fault. You know, there's not, you know, a huge A&R guy that didn't stay for your set, that that was your big break. And now, you know, you know, you lost it, but bare naked ladies got it. You know, it's different now. <laughs> You can, you can, uh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny because those stories are told and they're real. Like those stories are totally real. Like, you know, we, you know, we were supposed to be, you know, the next fish, but you know, whoever didn't see, you know, our set and blah, blah, blah. Like that. I hear those stories all the time. Now it's a hundred percent on you, you know, how much work you want to put in. And, uh, and if you're not putting in the work, if you're not staying up at night, you know, if you're not working on writing and playing, uh, practicing, um, you know, so whatever it is, social media, reaching out, getting fans. Um, what that really means deep down inside is you don't actually believe that you're good enough, you know, and that that crappy job that you're working 
you think that you're going to be doing that in 15 years, you know, um, rather than what we were talking about, that plan B, you know, and then everybody kind of focuses on a side career that ends up just being their actual career. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I've been in that, you know, been in that boat before. And that's, you know, the adage sure. goes, you have to, you know, when you get to that place, you have to burn that boat. But, um, yep. but, it, but to me, it's also interesting with this, that I've, I've realized in my life that I like to learn different things and those experiences translate to this communication that we're having here to uh, documentary work, to different things. Um, so, yeah, sure. yeah, I know I need to push a little harder in some areas, but it's just I'm getting to the point where I'm not really at times thinking about it or having that fear. It's just kind of let me go with this and let's live it and see how things uh, things unfold. So that's where I'm yeah. at, at there. But uh, And so you have a few different musical en- endeavors right now, correct? So you have Among Criminals, that's your main band, that's, that's your main musical offering? Yeah, maybe. It's just, okay. it's kind of funny. Um Among Criminals was uh and it's 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 starting in in my in my crazy, you know, kind of uh one of the guys that I work with Jim Salomon back in Philadelphia says I have multiple personalities when it comes to music because if I'm writing for Among Criminals, that comes from a different place than if I'm writing for my other band La Capitania, which is uh me and Steph who you had met in LA. Yeah, I love that music. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's great. And uh, in, in, in my head, with the most multiple personalities, um, it does seem like La Capitana is actually taking taking the reins. Um, and that's something, I mean, me and Steph, I think she, actually she's texting me right now. Um, we just talk about how excited, you know, I am to get home for the summer because the plan is just 100% La Capitana. Nice. For, for that for the entire summer um it just you know we played one show uh the radio station or radio 104.5 that came out to the show um and my friend from the radio station kind of pulled me aside and was like i'll never forget it she was just like i don't think that this is your other band anymore you know basically like you know put put a couple more eggs in this basket too you know, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. La Capitania is going to be uh, just something absolutely amazing for for the beginning of 2018. I nice. mean, I'm, I'm so excited to see where that goes. And I'm sure Steph is jazzed about that because that's one thing with you being in LA and and you know not having that time. So I think this summer is going to be pretty amazing for both of you. So uh, yeah, we're yeah, definitely looking cool. forward to it. Because, yeah, and let me, uh, you know, what I'm going to do now, I'll play, uh, let me play a clip from one of those songs. My favorite, personally, great. I, like, Want to Want You. So I just think that's oh, just nice. great. driving song. It's just, you know, the the chorus in there, the hook, I don't want to want to want you. And yeah. I don't do it justice, nice. hey. so that's why I'll, let me play that right <laughs> now so the audience can hear what it sounds like. It skins like my favorite song, I swear to God I know all the words. I listen to it again and again. Obsessions getting absurd. I burn all my memories just to hear it for the first time again. Should I be mad at myself? I'm the last I crawl getting blood. I don't wanna wanna want you. I don't wanna wanna want you. But I do. 
So looking in, in, into that, you know, what what are some of the songs in in that band, or what, what's the vibe of that band that uh, that that really you know that really drives you? What, what you know, how can you explain that? Because I'm not good at really explaining those things. I know what I feel when I listen to the music, but I'm not one to communicate right. it well. So, how about you do that for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it just started, I mean, you know, Steph and I have known each other for almost like 19 years now, and uh, we we started our friendship based on, like, our love, not just for music, but specifically, like, blues and, and rock and, you know, Zeppelin and Clapton and, and, and bands like that, and uh, we played a couple shows together, you know, never as La Capitania, never as really anything. Um, particular, we did a couple open mics together, um, you know, throughout our twenties, we actually moved to Hawaii together for a little bit after we dropped out of college. Um, and we didn't even play together then. Um, she always had an amazing and I, and weird. And I say that like with uh, the, the best compliment ever is her voice is so freaking weird. And that's how this band started. <laughs> I knew we were like playing, um, we were rehearsing at that place that I, that I talked about before, the Rock Factory, um, for a show, you know, just, you know, a little acoustic show. And I, rem- I remember, it was just like, your voice is so weird. I know that you need to be singing louder, basically. And uh, I wrote a couple tunes. We went into the studio. I mean, it really, it really happened in the studio. Um, I think that we had written and recorded almost before uh, our first gig. I'm trying to like really get that timeline down. And it was just the two of us. And it had a little bit more of like a folk um, rootsy feel. And then, you know, just slowly navigated to that, you know, way more aggressive, like rock, rock feel. And uh, I'm really excited about what we're working on now because there's a little bit of LA uh, creeping into our music. There's a little bit of, uh, you know, like Motorhead and, um, nice. you know, even, even like, yeah, even like LA, some, some LA punk that, uh, that's getting in there, which, which I'm excited about because that's something that I love. And it's something that Steph loves and doesn't know that much about. She brings another, um, you know, another R and B, uh, feel and, and old blues feel to what we're doing. So this, this next record we're, we're, like absolutely just like just super stoked on right on yeah i'll put a link to the current music so that the listeners can check out that as well but yeah i expected it to be when i met you guys when we were talking and when i first talked to steph and please tell her i said hello if you text her back oh absolutely uh, that day i expected something a little more folksy and when i heard it i was blown away and uh, i've I've listened to it she rocks through SoundCloud, and yeah, it just sounds so good, man, so good, and just nice hooks, um, nice in uh, uh, the song "When I Get You Alone." There's just that that this really badass guitar, just that crunchy kind of just really strong oh, yeah, guitar, and and it's a nice contrast because her vocals aren't kind of over the top, aren't aren't uh, you know very melodic vocals, and uh, that's that's yeah. what I like. You know, I like a, a lot of European power metal, like. Um, uh, like Lacuna Coil and um, okay, sure. uh, another band called Nightwish where it's almost operatic and it's just very theatrical. Um, so yeah, sure, so yeah. I just like to kind of use heavy music with this nice melodic voice. It's just like this angel singing and 
Yeah, so so I yeah. you know I dig that music, and that's that's cool for me as a fan and a friend to hear that that's the you know that's kind of the direction you're going towards. Because yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to some more of that music, and definitely will do what I can to you know help push it out there to. Awesome. To, to my, you. you know my network but very cool man that's that's cool to hear hear you doing that what um you know who are some of your influences um i mean mainly you know uh, growing up I, I would have to say you know i think kurt cobain really changed the way that i would well he was so young i don't want to say changed the way that i was writing because i wasn't really writing yet i was so young but um definitely changed the way that I would have written. Well, I'll put it that way. Um, his, I mean, his, I just loved all of his writing. I, I mean, I Nirvana was just number one forever. Um, and then my dad in the driveway, my dad, when he would drive us to soccer games, we would be able to listen to whatever we wanted to. And uh, at one point he was like, I'm going to put Led Zeppelin on. And I remember thinking that Led Zeppelin was going to be like, I don't even know, like, uh, like Mamas and the Papas, right? Just the name. I thought it was like <laughs> super, super like mellow, you know, oldies almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put it on and it was the, the beginning of um, uh, Good Times, Bad Times, right? And that drum beat came in and then those guitars and that voice and that floored me when I heard Zeppelin for the first time, that was absolutely life-changing. Zeppelin got me more into blues, more into rock. I got, you know, just Black Sabbath and, you know, Almond Brothers. I mean, it was, it was just that for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so and, those, those end up being my main. And then, uh, and then I got really, really into, uh, into hip hop for, for a very long time. And, uh, uh, hip hop, R and B, you know, um, Eric Badu. I mean, I, I still listen to the Fugees like almost daily. Um, so all that stuff started creeping in, and uh, and and definitely uh, Rage Against the Machine, another humongous influence. Nice. Yeah, I've been listening to uh, to some Audio Slave right now, and you know those those riffs that they did with with that band, just awesome. Yeah. And Chris Cornell's voice awesome. is great, but yeah, you can't go wrong with with Zeppelin and Good Times, Bad Times. They've hit that... Yeah. I mean, this is like that riff is just something that just... You know, I haven't listened to that song forever, but it just like burned into my psyche. So so that's uh, super yeah. cool. And at one time, I know they were talking about... Because Robert Plant is, you know, he has other endeavors right now. He's doing more of the folky thing. And I think there were, yeah. at one point, they were talking about having uh, Ann Wilson of Heart maybe fronting for a few concerts, which... I don't know if you've seen their version of Stairway to Heaven. I think it was it was no. in England, and all the Zeppelin guys were. I mean, it was you see the tears rolling down their faces when they're watching that performance, and it's oh, just yep. amazing. Yep. I did see that. Yeah. And so if, if if anyone out there has not seen it, you Google it, and it's just wow, like totally, yeah, just just breathtaking. But looking ahead, did you ever see Nirvana live? No, this is the funniest thing. Like. I'm 33, and I I feel like I still I mean I you know I'll always feel like I missed out you know when my dad tells me about seeing the Doors and seeing Zeppelin and you know seeing Black Sabbath although apparently they were like one of the worst live bands ever 
Um, not that my dad <laughs> is like the, the best judge, but he knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but after you compare it to Zeppelin you know, or somebody else, yeah. Yeah, you know, but um, oh, you know, I feel like I missed out on on the that that end of the '60s kind of rock era, um, and I still feel that way about the '90s. I mean, when I had just barely gotten into Nirvana with Kurt Cobain. I mean, when he died, I didn't even care because I was just so young and didn't know, like didn't even know who he was, um, really. I mean, I knew he was a singer of Nirvana and I had kind of started listening to them. You know, um, I missed Rage Against the Machine, you know, especially in their heyday, uh, you know, Nirvana, um, Soundgarden then, and I still did not get to see Soundgarden. I mean, that that's still like just, is, is eating me alive. Yeah, they were set um, to play uh, this past Saturday, and then you know he okay. passed on Wednesday. And I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to go, but I put it in my calendar because I thought, wow, I, I should see these guys because there may not be yeah. many other oh, opportunities. Man. And it's like, oh shit! And so now I'm trying yeah. to oh, do that with some other bands, and it just, yeah, yeah. Before you know, some of these other guys are gone as well. I mean, there's only so much time. And when you work like crazy yeah. like you do, and, you know, I try to keep myself busy yeah. in that regard. There's only so much I can do. But, uh, yeah, so who who else? Who was, like, if you could see any one band now, uh, you know, any you know, live or dead, you know, still formed or not, who who would that band be if you could just choose one? That's a, it's a tough question, I'm Man, sure. It, it, it is, but I, I do have to say I would love, I would love to have seen Bob Marley and the Wailers at the Roxy for that record that they put out that, um, yeah, and nice. working there. Yeah. I mean, he, he's always going to be at, at the, at the top of the list, you know, he'll always be, uh, he, he takes, he takes the driver's seat and, and, you know, Jimi Hendrix kind of takes the passenger seat. It's uh, it's kind of those two guys at the, at the, at the head of the car there. Right on, man. Right on. Yeah. There's so many, so many great acts over the years and, uh, yeah, so many good people to see. I'll have to put a list together. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen. I I, I got into it kind of late, but kind still kind of early. I was. I think I didn't start going to concerts till I was twenty four, and then uh, okay, you know, at that point, uh, you know, should have went to some things earlier. Should have you know passed up some things throughout throughout. But yeah, that's life. But but looking yeah. back, yeah, let's get a couple deeper questions. Are you doing okay on time? Absolutely, awesome man. Because I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of this. Um, Great, yeah. What is your what is your definition of success? Oh man, that that that's so funny. Um, I it's it's odd when when that kind of becomes an uh, an embodiment rather than you know an outward thought, really. Because um, I feel it when I leave, you know, like maybe when I leave school and I have like an amazing day. Mm-hmm. That to me is success. That feeling that I have. Um, when I leave, when I leave school, that becoming, you know, an all embodiment, um, life basically of just that specific feeling or how I feel, you know, when, uh, like La Capitania got a song landed, um, on it, like a UFC fight. You know? <laughs> oh, and, right and, on. What and, song? And, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Celtic actually one of our, one of our old ones. Okay. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah. And like when, when those little pieces of life start happening more often, that is what success is to me. Um, not necessarily, you know, a bank account number or a house or a car. It's that those feelings that you get 
that multiply and multiply and happen at such a rapid rate that you never dip down from the, that high. Um, that that's how I'll put it. Right. So, on. You know. No, that's kind of kind of rolling on that high. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that, and I think, and it's that level of energy that will bring you, that can bring you that financial success. Because when when you have that, and people sure. see that, and they're like, "All right, I want to hire this guy for this," or "I want to, you know, hey, let me bring your band to this," or "Let's bring you to speak at this conference," and then things kind of slowly elevate where you may be doing it for free one day, and then at some point they're like, "Okay, let's give you a thousand bucks for this speaking engagement," or you know, who knows, but, but the main thing, and I, what I love about what you're saying is that even if you don't get that financial success, just that base level, that great feeling is like, no one can ever take that away. And it's, you know, I've had to learn that because I guess I looked at, Oh, you you know, these, Oh, have this and this and that. And then I realized, is that what I really want? And, uh, you know, how has your, how has that definition of success? How has that changed in the past 10 years? I think that I had a little bit more um, of a of like a financial vision of it, or at least it would maybe it was a little bit more based on on like just music and just touring mm-hmm. and uh, and and just things like that. And now, you know, you you kind of let it, you just kind of let it happen um, in a sense. Like you, like you're talking about like a like a speaking engagement, like the taxi rally that weekend. I like that was success to me from the time, you know, I picked Steph up at the airport, like all the way until the end of that Sunday night, that whole weekend, that would be, that was success. Um, you know, and, and same with getting on a huge, you know, um, a huge show being backstage, like that success. Um, so it, it now is, it's now less, uh, concrete, in a way, like concrete, like in my head, like building, you know, a financial and this, yeah. and then this is the house it's that less, I want to live less in. Material. Um, yeah, less material. And then, yeah, when that happens, it just, it opens up to like, I mean, I would never have thought that I was going to speak at a conference or that I was going to be, you know, headhunted by an elementary school to teach. Um, so now those feelings that, you know, like we're talking about the feeling of success when you kind of relax into it does start happening in other areas and you get that high and you get that feeling. So I would say, yeah, it changed to, to, to becoming a feeling rather than, uh, than anything visual or concrete. Very cool. And I think you had already early on, uh, you had answered this question. I was going to ask you what advice you would give to yourself, uh, your 20 year old self. Um, but let's just revisit that. Well, what advice would you give to yourself, you know, at 20 or 18? I I would definitely say work harder for for what you want. Um, you know, I had I mean I I loved you know my my late teens and early twenties. You know, and I I was practicing and you know I was putting some time in, but um, but I definitely wish I put the time in that the the time I'm putting in now when I was eighteen and when I was twenty one. Um, so that's just the, the main advice, you know, it's just, man, I wish I was just trying a little bit harder. Yeah, that's, that's valid advice. I think I would tell myself to work smarter because I, I, I worked hard and I put all this time in and, you, you know, I, I maybe didn't cultivate the creative collaborations and relationships to, you know, I think so much of it sure. is about contacts and all that. So being, 
you know, being a, a filmmaker, it's a little more isolated. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to, I, I feel, get really good at my craft. And then, but then, you know, maybe fell short as far as just having the right contacts or utilizing those to to really elevate that. But, but you know, of course, you you know, without those experiences, we are not the people that we are today. And, uh, yeah, you know, definitely. starting to look at that, you know, that's why I asked that success question. Cause I'm starting to redefine that myself, which is really cool. Um, yeah. You know, and as far as, you know, cause you seem to be someone that really pays attention to the world. Are there any, you know, any books that you recommend or a book that you would gift to somebody to, you know, help expand their horizons? Um, I mean, there, there are a bunch, uh, I really like the alchemist. You know, um, I think it's very, very easy for us to fall into negative thinking. And, and, and I did as well, you know, just a couple of years ago. I mean, that's basically what the last Among Criminals album was, was kind of born out of a pretty negative, negative time in, in my life. But it's so easy. It's so lazy to, to be negative and just to focus on all the, the negative things that happen. And, uh, and it really just does not need to be that way, you know, and you don't have to be dumbly optimistic, you know, and like detached from life to just be happier. And then things will happen for you that make you happier, you know? Um, so the, the alchemist is one, uh, I do, uh, I would recommend maybe something by, uh, Joe Dispenza. Uh, Dr. Joe Spencer, he's a, a great book is uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Um, it just talks about how you can literally within your own mind completely change who you are and your entire life. Um, and I think that those, those points are very, very valid in, 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 uh, in becoming the person that you want to be. Nice. I, I believe he was featured in a documentary called What the Bleep Do We Know? Have you seen that? Yes. He was one of the main guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I looked at it, but yeah, he was cool. I'm going to have, I've heard a lot recently just uh, in conversations with people and the alchemist has popped up. So I'm going to check that one out. Yeah, that's that been popping cool. up a lot more recently. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to check that out and then we'll, at some point we can, we can talk about that. Uh, where do you yeah, see? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, man. I, I love the conversations and hopefully at mm-hmm. some point, uh, you know, we can uh, figure out somehow how to bring you and Steph here to in St. St. Louis to perform and to do something there because I'd love to hang out with you guys and share share your music in a live setting. That would be super cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, where do you see yourself in ten years, or have you are you even thinking that far ahead? No, I'm not. I I, I like I like not knowing, and uh, and this is like kind of an, an interesting and odd point is you know I kind of. Uh, after after living a generally comfortable life with a with a now ex, um, I wasn't able to like just live, you know, uh, simply just like just live, you know. And I've been doing that a lot more lately, you know, going to Europe, uh, touring across the country by myself, you know, hitchhiking, the you know the whole deal. And uh, where I see myself in ten years is. Uh, is definitely just feeling that that success feeling that we're talking about more than I do now, um, and not being able to predict where that's going to happen. Um, it really excites me, you know. Um, maybe, 
you know, maybe I'll still be the elementary school teacher at, at Westlake. You know, I mean, I love it so much. I mean, if I got, I'm not going to lie, if I got a, you know, $45 million record deal now, I would probably still take the job in September. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Ten years, that's a long time. That is profound, man. Wow. Yeah, that just goes to show you. And and once again, and I'll try, you know, I'll I'll share um, like a couple of those clips of you teaching that I saw on Facebook. And just that really illustrates, man, how passionate you are about teaching and how good you are at it. And it's really inspiring. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so definitely. And then as far as I have one more question that I'll end it up with, but but first, let's take care of a little business. What, um, where's the best way for, or what's the best avenue for for new fans to find you, or for people who want to connect with you and talk to you about teaching kids music or anything along those lines? Um, I actually do get a few just through Among Criminals Facebook um, and and Instagram as well. Okay. Because um, I do, I, I like, I like posting like uh, a picture of like you know the the bloody guitar, which is which is our album cover. You know, and, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of harping on that, you know, kind of punk rock side of Among Criminals, but then also posting the, the videos of me teaching. I like having that, that kind of dichotomy um, through the band. Um, that's one way, you know, guitar, guitar coach Ryan Gone um, on Facebook is another way. I, I'm post, I try to post videos like, like daily. Um, and, uh, but yeah, any, any way that you can get a hold of me you know, it could be about teaching or about, uh, anything really. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to any avenues I'll say. Okay. And I'll, I'll put some things on the show description and put it out that way. Uh, so I started the hey. show with, uh, patience and regret, which is, uh, among criminal song, which it, I felt it kind of had that Foo Fighters vibe, but I felt it was a little Foo Fighters meets Shaw blades. Ooh. who I always, I always dug. I don't know if you ever listened to, oh, to I, that collaboration. I like that. But uh, you know, always big fan of those guys. I mean, they're the the harmonies yeah. and everything else. So listening to it, I kind of kind of felt that. Uh, what and okay, then I like that. Then of course played uh, "Wanna Want You." What uh, what song should I end this with? And then I'll, I'll finish with the final question. Anything that you, uh, you want to play? Uh, let's do "Solo Paradise" by Among Criminals. That one uh, that one is my favorite to play live. Okay, cool. And I dig the I dig the heavy bass on that. And another song, which uh, you know, I'll put a link to the waiting. I liked kind of the reggae feel, and that kind of had uh, sure, yeah, thanks. Kind of. I don't know if you listen to Shiny Toy Guns, but uh, that yeah. that band, you know, I kind of felt there was, you know, there was some elements that they incorporate in their music in that song. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. Um, so very cool. So my last question, and uh, it's kind of a deep one, but I think you can definitely handle it. So when it's all said and done, you, you know, what do you think? You what do you? Let me think of this question again because it's a tough one. So when it's all said and done, how will you think? Uh, you know, people will will reflect upon your time here. What will they say about uh, you know interacting with Ryan Gone? Uh, I am. Th- I am trying to become the the person that people will reflect very positively on. I can feel it happening already um, with new people that I'm meeting. I just, with every single person that I meet, I, you know, under every, you know, minute circumstance, 
I just want to try and make them have a little bit better of a day or a life or a month or a minute, you know? Um, and I just hope that that would carry on, you know, uh, and people will feel that once, you know, well, I guess once that time comes. So, so that's what I'm hoping for. I'll put it that way. I think you're definitely doing that. I'm really happy with the interaction that we've had. I'm, you know, so blessed to have met you. And uh, I'm kind of glad that we weren't able to meet up and record this in person in L.A. Because I think it's it's been a much more, uh, just like a deeper, more uh, substantial conversation now that I've had a chance to learn a little bit more about you. Sure, great. Yeah, I, I think that this is this is great timing. I was I was really excited about it. Fantastic, man. No, I'm looking forward to put it out there. That's going to happen soon. And just thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, to talk and, and let me record this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for, for doing it for me, man. This is great. Baby